The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to take a moment and share a word from our sponsor. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is happy to be the proud sponsor of the Premier Dance Network. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is known for its fine total stretch tights and Angela Luzio shoes. Tyler Peck, principal dancer of the New York City Ballet, is its spokesperson and designer of Tyler Peck Designs for Premier. It takes a dancer who wears a leotard all day to know what is best in a leotard. So Tyler's beautiful original leotard designs fit perfectly, are ideal for class, rehearsal, or performance, and move well with the body and won't ride up in the back. Body Wrappers makes additional apparel for all types of dance that includes ballet, jazz, modern, lyrical, hip-hop, tap, team, liturgical, performance wear for competition and recital, as well as Angela Luzio shoes. You may view all the products at www.bodywrappers.com or to purchase Tyler Peck designs by Body Wrappers, go to dancewearcorner.com or your favorite online dance apparel retailer for all their products. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-monthly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 16 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello all, happy Friday, it's been a while, (laughs) happy Halloween this coming week. I Halloween is one of my favorite holidays and my husband and I used to always get really dressed up and elaborate but I feel like more and more like an adult every year which is becoming a problem because I'm so busy I just don't have time to figure out what to do um but yeah hopefully next year we'll have something all cooked up and I can share pictures of that with all of you guys. But this year, we're probably just going to put on some masks and go out dancing, which should be fun within itself. Um, But yeah, what are you being for Halloween this year? You have any fun plans? I always think it's kind of weird when it's in the middle of the week. We actually are holding classes at Greenwich Ballet Academy this Wednesday. Um, And usually most of the kids come, so I'll be curious to see what they dress up as uh, when they come in for class. So uh, I'm going to talk about Halloween a bit today, but before I get to all that stuff, uh, I want to just give you my regular rundown of my schedule. Um, So I have a few things actually to share with you. So first thing, you you know how to find my my classes. You can go on my faculty bio page at broadwaydancecenter.com. If you have faculty and look for my name, it's under the ballet and the contemporary faculty. If you click on it, it tells you what my upcoming schedule is. It actually lists the classes from like with the date. So it's not like, oh, he teaches on Tuesdays at 1030. Um, It actually will show you the classes. Um, 
But yeah, so you can find my regular classes on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Every level of ballet is there. Um, also, I'm going to be subbing for Jamie Salmon uh, every Friday, I think through mid-November at 1.30, an advanced beginner ballet class. Um, and then also I will be teaching a ballet and contemporary class. I think it's advanced beginner ballet and intermediate contemporary on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So, uh, that's all of the stuff that I've got coming up in the, the next month and a half, two months. Um, but what I do need to talk about is, uh, that my schedule will be changing a lot and then I'll be out of town a handful of times throughout the next few months. So um, you can keep an eye on my schedule on the on broadwaydancenter.com or you can check my social media um, or you know how to get in touch with me if you, you're really curious, but it's easier if you can just look for it. Um, <laughs> I get so many emails. I just actually cleared out my, my email box. I still have like 20 emails left in it, but I think I had like 70. Um, Get the little cray cray. But yeah, so I will be gone on Black Friday from Broadway Dance Center. I will also be gone December 6th through 9th uh, because I'll be performing as Drosselmeyer in Greenwich Ballet Academy's Nutcracker up at uh, SUNY Purchase. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, and then December 17th through January 8th, my husband and I are taking a belated wedding gift. Or <laughs> taking advantage of a belated wedding gift. Um, one of our friends was extremely generous back in 2000. Wow, wow, it's 2016 when we got married. Um, they said that they would fly us anywhere that we wanted in the world. So we took them up on that offer finally, and we'll be heading to Hong Kong, uh, Siem Reap, Cambodia. Phuket, Thailand, Bangkok, and Chiang Mai. So we'll be gone from December 17th through January 8th, and I will have a handful of people subbing for my classes then. Um, beyond all of that, like I said, my schedule will be changing. Uh, there's been a, this is a good thing. There's been a lot of, uh, my classes have really been building and growing, and there have been a lot of students that have been asking for uh, a better space. Uh, Broadway Dancer has many studios, and uh, most of my classes, I, I've been stuck in one of the smaller studios because I am less senior and I'm newer there. But my classes are be are becoming, they're, they're growing in size and they're becoming more popular, and we can't honestly fit the dancers in the studio that I'm in anymore. Um, and they aren't able to change my the, the studio that I'm in. So they're actually changing my schedule. So uh, this will be happening over the next six months to a year for all of my classes. But uh, they've been able to move one of my classes to a larger studio, which will be my Friday advanced beginner ballet classes at 6pm. Those starting on January 21st will no longer be on Fridays at 6pm, they will move to Tuesdays at 4.30pm. So I'll have an advanced beginner ballet class on Tuesdays at 4.30pm. And then on Thursdays, I'll have a four, this, an intermediate advanced ballet class from uh, 4.30 to 6 p.m. So I'll have a regular class on the same time on Tuesdays and Thursdays. My basic ballet class, which is probably my most popular class, um, that's at 7.30 p.m. on Fridays, will then move to 6 p.m. until we can move it to a uh, time that has a bigger studio. So uh, just keep an eye on my schedule. It will be changing uh, over time, but this is all good. It's It'll be a little bit of pain for a little while, but it'll be worthwhile because uh, we'll have enough room to actually move people around. I'm really actually 
very excited about it and proud that we're getting moved and I'm really looking forward to that. So, all right, that was a long introduction. My apologies for that, but I had a lot to share. Um, so like I said, since Halloween is coming up this week, I thought I would do a special Halloween edition. Cue the spooky ghost sounds. <laughs> Um, so last year for our Halloween edition, I talked about stage fright, um, which is a pretty specific type of, uh, type of fear. But this year I figured I would expand on the the topic of fear for dancers and I would discuss typical common dancer fears. Uh, you know, what things frighten dancers to death. Why do we experience these fears and how I have coped with them in the past? It's, it's funny. I mean, I'm, I'm a very anxious person. I've talked about this in the past. And I wonder if I am anxious because of the neurotic nature of dance where you have to be very uh, intent on your exercises and very focused and constantly assessing and addressing what you're doing and looking in the mirror. I wonder if dancing made me anxious or if I was just natural, like a naturally anxious person. So I found it easy to fall in love with dance. I have no idea, but let's talk about common dancer fears, why they're there and how to cope with them. So I think the, the most obvious one, uh, (laughs) that everybody's heard about, and I've even done podcasts on it, is getting injured. Um, and the, the reason that this is a common dancer fear is because dancers get injured all the time. I've read articles, there have been studies done, dancers are the number one most injured athletes in any career field, at least in studies in the United States, the UK, and uh, Australia. We are very prone to getting injured. And even if you don't have major injuries happening, uh, we're constantly experiencing smaller injuries, whether it be a pulled muscle, whether it be a bruise or cut and bleeding. Um, But yeah, dancers are are very scared of getting injured. I think think another reason that dancers are so afraid of getting injured is because once you get to a certain level as a dancer, I don't think there is any professional dancer that has not been in the room when somebody has gotten hurt. Um, and when you see what happens, it's it's an interesting experience because the dancer gets hurt. They usually end up laying on the ground in pain, either grabbing themselves or in tears um, and everybody, like the music stops, everybody stops, the combinations stop, the choreography stops, whatever they're doing. And everybody just stares. Everybody just stands and stares at that person. Somebody usually runs to go get ice. They might run to go get the physical therapist if there is one on site. Um, and everybody just stares. And then some people start to get upset. Often you'll have other dancers crying if it's a really bad injury. Um, because it's a combination of... I guess shock to see somebody get hurt to feel bad for them with with see how emotional they're getting and consider that it could be 
the end of their time dancing for a short period of time, a long period of time, or the end of their career. Um, but also there's a little bit of a selfish thing that goes into that too, because every time that you see somebody else get injured, you think that could have been me. Um, because dancers get injured for many reasons. It can be exhaustion, fatigue of muscles. Uh, when I said exhaustion, I meant like, you know, not enough sleep. Um, it could be, uh, the dancer went on autopilot and didn't recognize what their legs were doing. It could be the floor was slippery. It could be that they ran into somebody. Somebody kicked them with a point shoe. There's so many ways that people can get injured. But um, whenever somebody goes down, everybody just watches them and thinks that it could be them. Um, for me, this fear was always elevated when I was going to debut a leading role when I was dancing. Um, I guess it was the idea. I was so excited to get to do these roles. And also because initially when I joined Houston Ballet and Pacific Northwest Ballet, I didn't get too many opportunities to do leading roles. So when I finally got them, I felt like I had to prove myself because if I didn't get to do it... Um, then it would be a failure and like maybe even more so than if I had gone on stage and not done well. So I would develop severe anxiety in the very few days leading up to the role until the point that I finally was performing it. Once I performed it, it was like all of the stress and all the buildup was finally released and I got to just enjoy myself on stage um, but I remember like the night before I went, I, I did Mercutio, I had to lay in bed and put music on and I actually had to meditate. I don't usually meditate. Um, but I meditated the night before because I couldn't fall asleep. I was so anxious. Um, but yeah, dancers cope with this. Uh, I guess this is part of the reason why dancers are such jokesters. We just tend to joke about things and, and, point out the things that stress us out and then try to laugh about them because it's it's a reality and a part of the job. Um, I mean, if it's a real major issue for people, uh, you can do mental exercises like, like I did meditation before uh, my, my leading role of Mercutio. Uh, you can also, if it, I've no other dancers that their fear became so bad that they had stage fright and it kept them from performing. So you could see a psychiatrist, therapist, um, all of those types of things. So there are different ways to cope with it, but most dancers tend to just cope with it by joking about the possibility of it. Okay. Another fear of dancers. Now this one kind of bridges the gap of, uh, pre-professional training to professionals, um, but not being able to find a job before you feel like you've aged out of training or just not being able to find a job. Um, this is a, a legitimate fear for a lot of dancers that are on the cusp of having a career because in reality, you don't become a professional until you sign a contract. And there are so many dancers that don't get to the final stages of pre-professional training because it is so tedious and strenuous. Um, so those that were able to hold on until that very last moment, right before you start doing company auditions, um, there, there's a lot of fear among those dancers that they were able to make it that far and they just won't be able to bridge the gap between a pre-professional career and a professional career. Um, 
so I, this is, I think the reason that this is there because there is sort of this consideration of age, like aging out of training. Um, if you look at all the major programs across the country, most of them won't accept dancers older than 21 years of age into their finishing programs. Um, of course, there are always exceptions to the rules, but most dancers that are continuing their ballet training uh, beyond the age of 20 are doing it in university programs. They're not doing it in f- like professional track finishing programs because there is a cutoff. And also with the idea that the bodies age fast um, and retirement is young for dancers, they, they kind of want to make sure that they're bringing dancers into their their training programs and hopefully into the companies that are young enough to be viable for a period of time versus a dancer that might come in for like two or three years and then they have to look for another dancer. Um, so yeah, I think that that's why all that is there. Um, and how people cope with that. I mean, it's really everybody, has, like many of these, everybody has different ways of coping. Um, but the the way that I coped with this was to audition for absolutely every single company that came through New York City when I was at the School of American Ballet. Um, I mean, I was lucky enough being a male and being proficient enough that I had a few offers, but um, many dancers will take the stress of and the fear of not getting a job before they've aged out of training by just attending as many auditions as possible. Um, of course, there are other ways to blow off steam. I noticed that a lot of the pre-professional dancers that are on the cusp, they go into really intense periods of concentration and auditioning, and then they let off a lot of steam while they are uh, on their weekends off, hanging out with their friends, maybe partying a little bit and all that kind of stuff. I can't speak for everybody, but just a little idea of what I've seen in my life. Um, All right. Another fear, this kind of ties into the last thing that I was just saying, but it's the fear of being replaced as a dancer or getting fired. Um, I cannot tell you (laughs) how many times I have heard in a dance studio that somebody is afraid that they're going to get fired or joking like, oh, I turned the wrong way on stage. Oh, I'm going to get fired. or Oh, I didn't hold that arabesque long enough. Oh, you're going to get fired. Oh, I my ribbon fell off of my point shoe. Ooh, you might get fired. Dancers joke that you could get fired for practically everything because, uh, that the reason it's there is because professionals, at least in the United States are on yearly contracts and you are looked at from year to year and there's no promise or guarantee of a sustained length career in any company. Um, usually the first few years are the most, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Usually the, the first few years are a little bit less reliable when it comes to that um, because the dancers, dancers are being tested out when they join a company to see if they're reliable, to see if they have the possibility for promotion, to see if uh, the audience likes them and if they can flow from different styles and in their repertoire and all of that. Um, so the first like two or three years that dancers in a company tend to be trial years. Um, most dancers that are going to get fired will get fired during that period of time. Um, 
it's usually like the beginning and the end. Like you're either going to get fired at the beginning or you're going to get fired as your body starts to fail and you start to age out. Um, but yeah, that that is the most common time that it's stressful for dancers. So um, the way that I coped with this the first few years was I actually made sure, and I mean, I don't know if this is this would work for everybody. I was lucky that I, being at Pacific Northwest Ballet, I, I it wasn't necessarily frowned upon to go audition other places, um, but I auditioned just in case something happened. Granted, I mean, I wasn't ever told that I was going to potentially lose my job because um, we were required to be told in our artistic evaluation around November, December, if we were being considered to be released from our contracts. Um, and that never happened with me, though. The first two years I was in the company, I was very ill. Um, so I missed a handful of uh, periods of work. Um, so I guess I had that fear in there. But yeah, um, I, I handled, I coped with it by auditioning and just making sure that there are always possibilities. Um, the other way I coped with it was just to keep a, an open conversation with my boss and also to just work my butt off and make sure that I was really committed to my work. Because at least if you get let go and you're doing everything you can, you don't leave thinking, oh, well, I could have done that better or this better. Um, you go, well, I did everything that I possibly could and now I'm going to look for another job or move on. All right, so next on my list of scary things, fears for dancers, uh, gaining weight. <laughs> this is also constantly talked about. I think that that's, why, that's how dancers cope with this. It's like, get, it's like uh, getting fired or getting injured. Just constant, constant jokes about gaining weight. Um, and... I mean, this, this, it can be funny, but at the same time, it can also be detrimental. Like when I talked about uh, a principal dancer at Pacific Northwest Ballet saying that I looked bone and how that sort of started to, that, that comment started to throw me into developing uh, body dysmorphia. Um, but the thing is, it's like that fine line because dancers joke about this all the time. Um, and the thing is, I, weight is a really weird thing with dancers because, especially for women, because we're so young. Well, I'm not a woman, but <laughs> dancers, we dancers, men and women, um, we get hired so young. And especially for the women, some of them have delayed puberty because they uh, they are underweight. Um, they haven't. They don't start menstruating until they're mid teens, um, and so they actually maintain very much the body of a, a child. Um, I'm not saying that they are children, but they, their bodies tend to look a little more childlike than womanly. Um, but then usually those women, once they get into companies and they hit like 18 to 22, then their bodies actually start to do all the changes that would happen uh, for most girls in their early teens. Um, so when they were hired, they look like they were whatever weight they were and then their body changes and people start to look at them and go, are they, is their body changing or are they getting fat? Um, or even a lot of times when the body changes, their weight fluctuates and then they need to wait till they actually stabilize and then they can figure out exactly what like their ideal weight is and how to, uh, appropriately approach that. But, um, a lot of dancers are afraid of gaining weight. Um, 
And I think that a lot of it is for that reason, because you are expected to get into a company looking a certain way and then to be able to maintain that forever. I was actually uh, having a conversation with uh, a dancer who recently moved to New York. They were uh, principal with the National Ballet of Canada, and then they moved on to Broadway and national touring and all that kind of stuff. And we were talking about my blog uh, that I posted on my uh, Dancing Off Stage blog, you know, the one that I always say at the end, dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. I haven't written on it in a little bit because I've been writing for Dance Magazine a lot. But um, the I, I wrote about my own experience with body dysmorphia and we were chatting about it and, and he was saying, you know, directors and dancers, just ballet dancers tend to just expect you to always look the exact same weight for the rest of your life. You get Like for me, for instance, if I got into a company at 155 pounds, I should be 155 pounds until the day that I die or skinnier. <laughs> but um he he was saying that like the body fluctuates and if you're dancing more you you're going to lose a little bit of weight if you're dancing less you're going to gain a little bit of weight but the thing is you can't dance 50 weeks out of a year the 6 hours a day preparing for major major roles nonstop your body will just die like you you won't be able to handle that type of workload um so we were talking about how dancers really should get a little bit more leeway to fluctuate with their with their weight, as long as by the time that they get on stage, that they can perform looking good. Um, so, oh, I really went off on a tangent on that one. I guess I wanted to talk about weight. <laughs> this podcast was only about that and my fears. But no, uh, that's, that's the reason why I think that is such a big fear for dancers, because there's so much judgment. I actually remember talking to a former American Ballet Theater soloist um, who had transitioned into management, and they were telling me how uh, they didn't enjoy seeing their former colleagues because they noticed that the first thing that the dancers would do is instead of looking at at this person's face as they would look right at their waist. Um, so yeah, it, it makes sense that gaining weight is a big fear for dancers because it, they're not only afraid that it's going to affect their their ability to do, get roles and keep their job, but they're also afraid that um, they're going to be judged by everybody around them. That's really interesting. Maybe I'm going to have to podcast about that sometime. All right, next on my list of dancer fears... Costume malfunctions. Um, I mean, I think that this really just depends on the dancer and it also uh, depends on the age of the dancer and the experience of the dancer. I think costume malfunctions are hilarious. Um, dancers are, I mean, we're, we're constantly wearing elaborate costumes. Sometimes it's very little, sometimes it's, it's a lot. Um, sometimes the costumes are so big that they get in the way and you're afraid that you're going to trip over it. I've tripped over capes and things like that. Um, there's also that fear because like a, a woman might be wearing a little spaghetti strap uh what do you call that a little spaghetti strap over the shoulder thing um and if that snaps it could fall off and her her breast could fall out for 2000 people to see um things like that happen all the time getting stuck to your partner um so it makes sense that dancers have that fear um other things that happen too that i would consider kind of a costume malfunction like bleeding through your costume um and that could be whether you scraped your knee marley burn or for women during their time of the month um i remember 
being shocked talking to our uh our the person in charge of all the costuming at Pacific Northwest Ballet, Lorraine Haskell, just announced she's retiring at the end of the season. Um I was joking with her about something and she's like, Oh, we see blood all the time on costumes. I was like, Ew, that's gross. She's like, No, it's not. It's like a normal human thing. She's like, and you're wearing practically nothing, so get over yourself. Um, I loved Lorraine. I mean, I love Lorraine. She's still alive. Um, <laughs> but she was always so straightforward about things she, that it was just like matter of fact, and that's how it should be. So yeah, costume malfunctions are a big fear uh, for dancers, but I, my suggestion for coping is to not take yourself too seriously. We all have bodies, we all have private parts, we all have bodily functions. Um, and if something happens, just laugh it off. It's just a part of live performance. Things happen, you cope with them, and you deal with them, and you move on, and you try to not let them happen again. But when something happens, learn to laugh at yourself. There's no other way. All right, I have a few more of these. I didn't realize this was going to go on so long. So for those of you that like long podcasts, this is for you. And for those of you that don't, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. I have over a hundred podcasts so you can find another episode. That's a bit shorter. Um, <laughs> all right. Getting older. A lot of dancers fear getting older. This was one of my biggest fears. Um, when I went to the school of American ballet, I had a, my, my best friends, we all lived in the same suite. There were five of us in a suite of three rooms. Um, and we all got along swimmingly. Most of us are still friends. Um, I was one of the older students and I was afraid that I had aged out. Um, Like I was too old to get into companies. And so my friends who took things less seriously um, and cared about me decided to make fun of me to try to get me to lighten up because I can be intense at times. Um, So they started calling me a dinosaur um, (laughs) because I was so old. I was a dinosaur. I was 18. I turned 19 a month in and most of the students there were like 15 to 17. Um, so it took about two or three months for me to stop being upset about that. And then once I got over them calling me a dinosaur, uh, they started calling me a fossil. (laughs) So I just couldn't win. Um, but yeah, dancers, they have a fear of getting older because our time is so valuable as dancers. It's almost like for every year that a non-dancer has their career, it's like two to three years for a dancer. It's like dog years. I don't know, is that seven years? But whatever it is. Um, Getting older is scary because it means that you have less time to dance. And the goal for most dancers is to dance as long as possible. Um, So, I, I mean, coping mechanisms? I don't know. I was actually just having a conversation with one of our pro semester students at Broadway Dance Center today. And, um, I was just trying to relay a point and I I asked her age and she was like, well, if I tell you, you promise you're not going to kick me out of your classes. And I was like, don't be silly. Like I honestly expected it to be like 40 years old. I mean, I'm joking. She looks nothing like that. I I assumed that she was in her late teens to early twenties. Um, and she told me her age and I was like, oh my gosh, you have nothing to worry about. Um, really there there is no and i've said this many times there is no timeline to a dance career um and every dancer needs to recognize that the more experience you get as long as you can stay on track as long as you can pay your bills as long as you um 
are being a good person, there it doesn't matter how old you get. Yes, some directors do have a cutoff in ages, um, but if that is true, there will almost always be a place for you if you are willing to put in the time and effort to look for it. Um, so yeah, dancers have a big fear of getting older because there's so little time. And leading into that, retirement, dancers are afraid of retirement. Um, and that has to do with getting older. But uh, the reason I wanted to say this separately as like a little separate subtopic is because it's, it's inevitable. Um, but most dancers fear the end of their dance careers because there's so much unknown. Um, the common questions are, when will it happen? How will it happen? Will it happen before I want it to? What will the transition look like? Who am I and what is my identity once I'm done? Um, there's so much unknown that it can be very frightening to consider retirement. Um, most people prepare for their the retirement of their careers for years um, in other careers. But dancers, you can prepare for for your retirement and then all of a sudden five years before you plan on retiring, it's done. Like I had told myself I wanted to dance until I was 36. Um, but around 32, I was like, is it really going to be worth it to hang on to this for four more years and have panic attacks and anxiety to the point that I couldn't sleep and then I was having physical issues? No, I decided to hang up my shoes and transition to something else. Um, so yeah, how did I cope with that? Um, alcohol. <laughs> okay, I'm kind of kidding, but not. Um, but no, I, I think actually one of the best coping mechanisms I had for retirement was to connect with the Actors Fund, um, which is now called the Actors Fund Dancers Resource. Uh, also, this was what Career Transitions for Dancers has evolved into. Um, and I met with this uh, wonderful career counselor named Patch, Patch Schwadron. Um, and she gave me a bunch of tools to help me transition and to feel okay with the uncertainty of my transition. Um, I also coped by talking to other people about it that had gone through it um, and seeing how successful they had become so that I didn't feel like I had nothing to look forward to. Um, I also coped, I mean, my own personal way of coping with it was to write about it and talk about it on this podcast and also in my blogs. So um, I'm a big advocate for speaking about things that stress you out because when you keep it bottled up inside, it just stays there and or gets worse. All right, I've got like two or three more. Fears, blanking on choreography. Um, <laughs> every dancer is afraid that they're going to blank on choreography. Some don't, I mean, very few think it's like a fun challenge if something goes wrong with choreography that they have to like find their way back. But most, no, that's not, that's not that fun. I, I never enjoyed that idea. I barely ever did. But um, everybody has moments where their brain blanks and they pause and either they get back on or they don't and it can go pretty bad from there. Um, but I mean, the most obvious reason th that this is here is because we are a live performance. It's not like television or movies um, where if something goes wrong, they say cut and they don't use that footage in the final product. Whatever you do in a live performance is happening live, so you just have to roll with the punches. Um, there is nothing like live performance, and it's extremely exciting, um, and it's thrilling, and it's scary, and it's stressful, and it's all of those things. But I, I think part of the reason that you get such a 
a high from performing uh, is because it's live. And when you actually achieve the things that you do in the moment, everything you've been working so long and so hard on, um, it's just thrilling. Um, I used to have, I call them drama dreams, but I used to have a drama dream because um, I was replacing a dancer that got injured at the Joyce Theater here in New York when I danced with Pacific Northwest Ballet. We were going on tour and I had learned a Twilight Tharp piece, but I had learned a different part. And when they put me into the ballet, I had to learn a completely new part during Nutcracker, like a week or two before we left. Um, I only got a few hours of rehearsal. It was a 40 minute ballet and I was on stage most of the time. I only got like 10 hours of rehearsal before we left for the tour because it was during Nutcracker. <clears throat> and during that, that time, I started to develop this horrible, horrible drama dream or nightmare that, uh, Peter Bull had called me into his office, my boss. And, um, and his office had a desk. It wasn't huge, but it was big enough and it had carpet. And my, my dream was that I would walk in and he would go, well, Barry, if you want to go on this tour, you're going to have to show me the whole piece right now. And he would make me dance the piece in front of his desk on the carpet. And it, uh, I would blank because I didn't know the choreography because I learned in such a short period of time. Um, the funny thing is like I had that dream leading up to the performances and then I didn't blank once in any of the seven performances. Um, but for years after that, I continued to have that dream. Um, so I, I, I'm still amused by that. I haven't had that dream in a while, but, um, yeah, I think just preparing yourself for, uh, performances as best as possible is the only way to really cope with that. Um, because, if you're prepared, chances are it will go well. The less prepared you are, um, the more likely that is to happen. But if you have time, obviously, then you should be prepared. But if you have less time, you can do what I did and get videos and watch the choreography over and over again on your free time. Um, a lot of people don't realize that dancers have class in the morning for an hour and a half, and then they have uh, rehearsals or performances for about six hours throughout the rest of the day. But many of us, after performances or between rehearsals or after an entire day of rehearsing, go home with the videotapes of uh, either rehearsals, if it's a new piece, or footage of it if it was performed previously, and we study and practice on our own. So... A dancer's job doesn't end when they uh, leave the studio or the stage. It continues often into their home. Um, it is an all-consuming career. Um, all right. This is kind of like blanking, but not quite. A lot of dancers have fears of uh, missing a cue to arrive on stage. Um, another drama dream that I used to have, which I have actually recently had, was that my music was playing for my entrance for some ballet. And it, I realize that I'm late and I run up from the dressing room and I get to the stage door to run on stage and make it on time. But there's a thousand doors and I can't find which is the one door. I can't remember the, which one door will get me on stage. Um, so yeah, a lot of dancers have fears of missing cues. I remember when I joined Houston ballet, uh, one of the dancers was the, the mouse King and he had a fun story about how he completely missed going on stage. So there was no mouse King that show. Um, but yeah, this is the same way to cope with this is just being as prepared as possible, trying to pay attention 
If a dancer is off stage for a period of time, chances are you're going to sit with somebody else and talk. But if you're worried that you're going to miss a cue, then just make sure you are trying to stay focused and keep the talking to a minimum. Usually watching the dancers on stage and enjoying and learning from them is the best way because um, it'll keep you in the performance versus uh, stepping mentally out of the performance and then having to get back into it once you step on stage. All right, so... That's every that's that's general fears for everybody. I'm going to tell you my biggest fear as a dancer. Um, and this actually happened. This was got worse as I started freelancing because I was uh, freelancing in a lot of smaller cities and towns that didn't necessarily have a dancewear store. Um, but my biggest fear as a dancer will always be in performance, forgetting to bring my dance belt to the theater. Um, luckily at Pacific Northwest Ballet, that happened once or twice. And, uh, because we had a fantastic costume department, um, they would have extra dance belts for us just in case. But when I was dancing, when I was freelancing around the country, most of the companies had very small costume departments and they didn't have a budget to like hold on to dance belts or give their dancers dance belts. Um, if you don't know what a dance belt is, it is, you know, it's like underwear, but it holds your junk in so that you don't uh, squish anything and it makes it look uh, a little round and formed so that you're not looking at directly at somebody's genitalia. Was that a PC way of explaining it? Yeah, it's a really thick waistband with uh, fabric fronts that is quilted so that it doesn't have any lines. Um, and then it's a thong up your butt. Yep, it's exactly what it is. Um, it may seem silly, but... There really is no contraption that can replace a dance belt. So I always was deathly afraid that I would forget to bring my dance belt to a gig or uh, to a theater. Um, it would be sitting on my bed and I would forget it. Um, <laughs> I was extremely neurotic about my dance belts to the point that I would check to make sure I had them like four or five times before I headed off to the theater. I just didn't know what I would do if I didn't have one because... Like I said, there's just nothing you can do to fake a dance belt. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that is that is my biggest fear as a dancer. It, it's just dance belts. When I would pack for my gigs, I would always tell people, I can replace anything. If I don't have my computer, <laughs> I can use somebody else's computer. If I don't have a jacket, I can go out to a store and buy a jacket. If my shoes are falling apart, I can go buy shoes. If I get a toothbrush, I can buy a toothbrush, but I cannot not, not, not worry about a dance belt. Um, so yeah, that's my biggest fear as a dancer. And this is your Halloween frightening fear episode. Um, so I talked about a lot of fears that dancers have here, but I would love to hear from you to see what fears you have as a dancer. Um, and to see if I missed any, or if there are any that are shocking, um, that I would never thought of. So feel free to reach out to me. I will leave that information, uh, with my voice in a second. Um, so that's, that's a pretty good note that we should finish this podcast on. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod of Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out via my website contact page at www.barrycarollis.com. Again, that's www.barrycarollis.com. 
You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. You can find that at premierdancenetwork.com. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram where my name is B. Carolus, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer, which is archived after writing for five years on that site. You can find that at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com. And I talked on there about working as a freelance artist for over five years. I also have another blog called Dancing Opportunities, which I spoke about earlier on this uh, podcast. And it's not Dancing Opportunities, it's Dancing Offstage. If you ever want to get grants, you can go to dancingopportunities.com. But my blog is at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. And I talk about the post-performance careers of professional dancers there. I also have a YouTube channel that features my choreography. And you can find that by going on YouTube and searching B. Corollis. Thanks for listening in to Pot of Chats. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.